You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. I'm humbled by what has happened and I renew my wholehearted apology for the gathering in the cabinet room on the 19th of June, 2020. I can't say whether he'll be prime minister going into 2023, but I don't think that he will lead the party into the next general election. Why does the prime minister think everybody else's actions have consequences except his own? You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Stephen Carroll. And good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepke. Coming up on today's programme, as Boris Johnson clings to power, we speak to the SNP's Douglas Chapman. Plus, we'll hear from the Tory MPs Daniel Kaczynski and Bob Blackman for their view on the Prime Minister's future. But first, Boris Johnson is fighting for his political life after the Chancellor, the Health Secretary and a string of junior ministers quit their jobs over the latest sleaze allegations in the Conservative Party. The Prime Minister is facing MPs twice today, first at PMQs, then in front of the Liaison Committee. He'll be tackling questions on Rishi Sunak and Sajid Javid's resignations, as well as his handling of misconduct allegations against the Tory MP, Chris Pincher. Meanwhile, Boris Johnson's new Chancellor insists there is no vacancy at number 10. Nadim Zahawi was appointed to the position last night. He's trying to shift the focus away from Johnson and to the economy. I will be working very hard to make sure that this team continues to deliver. The, the Prime Minister is focused on delivery, delivery, delivery. Um, I want to make sure that not only do we rebuild the economy, we've got to grow uh, the economy. Chancellor Zahawi there. Well, there have been a string of junior ministers resigning this morning, including the Economic Secretary to the Treasury, John Glenn. The Labour Party, meanwhile, is calling for a snap general election. Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves says the government is failing. I don't know how long he'll be in the job. Uh, the Prime Minister's under huge pressure, but I just don't know how Nadim Zahawi uh, can seek promotion in a government that is sinking. And 
to go out and defend the indefensible, which is what he will be having to do now, day after day. Show some principle, show some backbone, show the leadership that this country needs uh, by, uh, by pulling the plug on this failing government. That's Labour's Rachel Reeves. A snap YouGov polls found that 7 in 10 people think Boris Johnson should now resign, but of the 3,000 surveyed, only 21% think the Prime Minister will actually go. More than half thought Chancellor Rishi Sunak was right to leave his job in the Cabinet. So Boris Johnson's fate now yet again lies in the hands of his own party. Rank and file Conservatives on the 1922 committee are meeting today to discuss Johnson and changing rules to allow a leadership ballot. That according to a person familiar with the matter. Under the current rules, of course, Johnson can't face another challenge for a year. But with new members on the committee being voted in next week, that could all change. We've been speaking to Bob Blackman, the Conservative MP and Joint Secretary of that key committee? Yes, I mean obviously it's regrettable when any cabinet minister or junior minister uh, steps down from government and uh, they will be a loss to the government uh, but I think there's more to the story probably than, than uh, is covered because there were, there were clearly some disagreements on policy between uh, the Prime Minister and the Chancellor or the ex-Chancellor um, and probably also on, on, on the health service as well uh, and bear in mind that for Sajid Javid, it's the second time that he's re- he's resigned from uh, the government led by uh, Boris Johnson. So this is not the, not the first time he's done it. Um, that's clearly stabilising. Um, and what needs to happen now uh, is obviously they've both been replaced, uh, and a uh, key appointment still awaits. And that is that is a party chairman, um, where Oliver Dalton had stepped down mm. from his position after <clears> the by elections. <throat> so. Yeah, this is destabilising for the government, but, but oh, the government will now pursue. Yeah, uh, to, to many listening, that will to, to many listening that will sound as an understatement, to, to say the least. Do you still have faith in this prime minister? Well, it's not for me or others. I mean, basically, the the party took a decision. Well, you're a member uh, of the party. You're a member of the party. You I have a position. Yeah, you can you can make right. that position clear this morning, whether or not you support Boris Johnson, despite everything. No, we're not all going to come know. on to the radio stations and start saying declarations of support or. Or otherwise, because I mean, that, frankly, what I want to see is the government um, getting us back onto getting the job done, which is, as you quite rightly said at the, at the top of the programme here, um, we face economic challenges all over the place. So I want to just get back to a position whereby we're improving growth in the economy, and that probably means reviewing our position over company taxation. At the moment, company taxation is due to rise um, in the UK. I don't think that's the the right course of action. Mm -hmm. I also want to see um, action on reducing taxes overall for individuals to uh, to lessen the impact of the cost of living challenges that we've got. And that's that's the job of government to get on with that. And that's what people want to see in this country, not constant speculation about either the prime minister's future or indeed other other particular ministers' futures, because um, Mm -hmm. the the government is getting uh, on with legislation. And, you know, all this week and previous weeks, we've been passing legislation with very comfortable majorities. Uh, And what that means, what that means is that there's there's a government there to get on with with the the job. But Rishi Sunak was Chancellor. He talked in his resignation letter about the public rightly expecting government, in his words, to be conducted properly, competently and seriously. Those that is more than just a policy disagreement. Yes, because one of the issues here is, I'm sure, that, that there's, there's been disagreement on policy, uh, which is, is, the, is the issue that, that 
Rishi uh, was was raising about him disagreeing with the Prime Minister. Now, if, if that disagreement is going on, then one of two things has to happen. Either either the Chancellor has to resign under those circumstances, which he's, he's chosen to do, or else... Um, they have to reach a compromise between them. Mm. Clearly, mm. There, was, there, think- was, there wasn't going to be a compromise. Okay, Bob, I'm sorry. I, I want to get in my next uh, my next thought, which is around the 1922 rules. Obviously, there are mm. there are new committee members that are going to be voted on. We don't exactly know the timetable. Your team has yet to uh, release that. Should the 1922 committee rules be changed in order to allow more frequent confidence votes? I imagine your answer may be no, but, but that seems to be the zeitgeist of what some MPs want to happen now. Yeah, I mean, the, the position here is that uh, uh, the we have... Elections to the 22 committee at the start of every parliamentary session, for various reasons, the, the, the elections were delayed. The elections have generally been every summer before the summer recess. So they're due to happen. Um, so elections will be held. Um, then obviously there's consideration of what, what to do. At the moment, the current position is that if a vote of confidence is held, and the, you know, tr- the trigger for that is 15% of, of the Conservative Party writing to the chairman of the uh, 1922 committee asking for such a vote. So that was the Conservative MP and Joint Secretary of the 1922 committee, Bob Blackman, speaking to Tom McKenzie and I earlier on Bloomberg Radio. Now, as Chancellor Nadim Zahawi was taking over management of the UK economy at a time when the country is facing the worst cost of living crisis in a generation. Earlier, Anna Edwards and I spoke to Daniel Kaczynski, Conservative MP and the Prime Minister's trade envoy to Mongolia. He said that Nadim Zahawi's economic vision is more closely aligned to the Prime Minister's than Rishi Sunak's. The introduction of Nadim Zahawi is very, very interesting. I was on the Foreign Affairs Select Committee with Nadim Zahawi. He's a very, very credible a good chancellor, a very former successful businessman. And I think he's going, he can and will take the difficult, hard measures that are required for the economy, bearing in mind the crisis that we are facing, both in terms of inflation and the cost of living crisis. I'm a, I'm a fiscal conservative, a very hawkish fiscal conservative. And there are many of us in the Conservative Parliamentary Party. But he, okay. we want radical measures now to cut taxation and increase uh, borrowing simply because of the difficulties the country is going through. And I think I think you'll find that the deans are always prepared to do that, whereas Rishi Sunak wasn't. Are there risks attached to cutting taxes because that could be inflationary and risks attached to increasing borrowing because the markets sometimes don't like that very much? Oh, absolutely. Of course, there are risks, um, um, significant risks. Um, but I think the, the United Kingdom continues to enjoy credibility on the international markets. Don't forget, they attacked us, the Labour Party attacked us for austerity um, when we came into office uh, 12 years ago. It's, very, it's a very good job that we reduced the deficit over those 10 years. And that gives us a little bit more leeway and flexibility now to go to the markets and borrow. There is also additional risk by not taking these radical Mm -hmm. actions because we've seen so far uh, from the previous chancellor sticking plasters. We need significant action in order to get the United Kingdom economy back on track. Can I ask you, is fiscal conservatism not about reducing borrowing now then? Of course, of course it is. And and I backed backed, um, uh, from 2010 to 2019... 
I backed the program of reducing the deficit every year. As I said to you before, we were attacked by the Labour Party. They called it austerity. We called it living within your means. But at the moment today, we face an exceptional global crisis, both in terms of the war with Russia, but also the hyperinflation that has descended on us from overseas. That requires radical action, and I think I think the new Chancellor is prepared to do it. We'll have to wait and see what he does over the coming days. I was texting him earlier this morning, and I think I've got every confidence that um, there will be a significant change in the Treasury. There's also a question of how long he'll actually be in the job, because there are elections to the 1922 committee of the Conservative Party, those committee that has uh, that could consider to change the rules and allow another challenge to Boris Johnson's leadership. Do you think that that's a, a real possibility? Well, there are internal deliberations within the Conservative Parliamentary Party, as there are within the internal uh, workings of the Labour Party. Um, and, you know, these challenges take place uh, frequently. The most important thing is that we don't change the rules. Um, I think if the losers, and by the way, the Prime Minister has just very, very recently won a vote of confidence amongst the parliamentary party. If the losers now want to, because they lost and didn't get the result that they wanted, now they want to change the rules, then we're setting a very dangerous precedent because all future Conservative prime ministers will have a guillotine hanging over them and could their administration could be terminated at any time. Now, that is no practical way uh, in reality to run a government. Um, There needs to be annual assessments of whether or not an individual can or should be the leader of the Conservative Party and ultimately the prime minister. But is Boris Johnson not irreparably damaged by this scandal and seeing so many of his senior ministers stepping out of their jobs? Well, I think I think if you have people like Ben Wallace, I mean, if he's prepared to serve in the Johnson cabinet alongside um, Nadine Zahawi and some of the other big hitters, then, then, then of course that's a very clear, strong signal to the backbenchers. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Well, while Conservative MPs are sorting out their position on their leader, Labour has called for a snap election. That could be a risky strategy, though, for the party, as we've been discussing with Ben Page, the chief executive of the polling company Ipsos. He thinks that Boris Johnson's days in power are numbered. Well, he, he will bluster it out. But as we know, all political careers end in failure. And this one is pretty close to the end now, I think. I mean, we'll see. But it's just one thing after the other. And mm. I think the most striking thing in my data is that the proportion of people in Britain who think the Conservative Party, let alone Boris Johnson, is fit to govern, has fallen pretty much to the lowest level in decades, halved from around 4 out of 10 to 21%. The only thing in some ways helping them is that the Labour Party, led by Keir Starmer, isn't doing massively better. It's got 33% that say it's fit to govern. 
Is it wiser in all of this for Labour to call for a snap election if you say the polling is so weak? Well, they're, they're ahead in the polls and if you know, they've got a nine-point lead in our latest poll, and that could, you know, depending on how it plays out in the constituencies, because, of course, a national uniform swing never really happens, which is what so. you're talking about when you look at national polls. But you could see a Labour with a, a small majority. Uh, you could see the Conservatives reduced to a very, very small majority. Absolutely, Labour will always want to say they want an election. I don't think the Conservatives are going to give them one, quite frankly, and they have a large majority in the House of Commons, but they do need to sort out their leadership. You know, we have the 1922 committee elections coming up. What are the likelihood is that they're going to change the rules and allow for that change of leadership to happen in the Conservative Party? That is the thing that looks almost certain, quite frankly. And looking at the two recent by-elections all over the country, Conservatives with large majorities will be now anxious and thinking something must be better than this. What do you think would be the support in the country for somebody to replace Boris Johnson with no election? The war in Ukraine is a reason for not holding a general election immediately and the need to do something, particularly about the economy and about the cost of living crisis. But ultimately, and we're going to have a general election within the next roughly two years anyway, so I think they might be able to get away with that. But I think the bigger issue is that they've fundamentally damaged the brand. That is the challenge. And they've damaged the brand of politics. In our monthly poll where we ask people just what are the biggest problems facing the country, we now have a quarter of the electorate just saying spontaneously, without being prompted, the biggest problem in Britain is its, politici- its own politicians, not any of the external crises or internal crises we face as a country. So it's just a reminder that this is, this is corrosive, what we're seeing. And I think ultimately the Conservative Party will probably do something. So that was Ben Page, CEO of Ipsos, speaking to us on Bloomberg Radio. We're joined now by Douglas Chapman, who's Scottish National Party MP for Dunfermline and West Fife. Douglas, thank you very much for being with us on Bloomberg Radio. Um, Are you gearing up now for a general election? Uh, I think we're always ready for a general election. Uh, And, uh, you know, the the febrile... uh, Sorry, uh, Parliament that we've been in for quite some time now. Uh, you know, one, one thing that we don't have is any sense of certainty. So, yeah, uh, I, I think every every party, including the SNP, uh, will have plans in place uh, just in case uh, you know somebody makes a, a, a decision to to take take the, the the issue to the country. Okay, um, Boris Johnson has survived numerous scandals before and it looks as if sentiment has changed quite a lot since last night. I mean, Boris Johnson looks like he's going to survive. Well, it, you know, Boris could, could hang on, I think, as your, your, your previous uh, contributor said. Uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, we always think that Boris would be dragged out of 10 Downing Street kicking and screaming and that's the only way that uh, he will be removed. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think... It really needs to be a, a, a decision for the Conservatives initially. The uh, 1922 committee is obviously um, being re-elected as we, as we speak. And, uh, you know, I think they might well go back to revisiting the decision that they made uh, just last month um, on the vote of confidence in the, in the Prime Minister. Um, but they obviously need to change the rules within their own their, their own setup uh, to allow that to, to, to happen. Um, but uh, you know, I think that's probably the the most likely outcome that uh, Boris will be removed by his own party. But uh, that just replaces one Conservative 
Prime Minister with another Conservative Prime Minister. And, uh, you know, it's, as we're coming up to the summer recess in Parliament, uh, you know, that would be a, a, a time to um, have that election and, uh, you know, come back to a fresh start in, in September uh, with a new Prime Minister. But what if what if they don't? I mean, what if Boris Johnson doesn't doesn't get ousted by his own party? What do you do then? Well, I, I, I think that's that's the other thing. Uh, again, um, we've just heard from the pollsters saying that uh, you know it, it is, it's hugely damaging the brand uh, for the Conservative Party across the country. Uh, we've just had two what have been horrendous by elections. Uh, uh, for the Conservatives um, in different parts of the country, one going to Labour, one going to Lib Dems. And, you know, I think that's been reflected uh, across a, a range of polls at the moment. But, uh, you know, Boris is, is, has a core support, but I think that's diminishing as every lie and every mistruth and every misstep uh, is being accentuated. Um, and the very fact, you know, it's, it's often the the, the 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 lying and the cover up and so on that that erodes the the, the faith in in even your most fervent supporters uh, and you know I think the the you know if Boris stays then he's the Conservatives are on a very slippery slope in terms of um, electoral success in the future. Hmm. But what if there's an emergency budget? They slash, slash taxes, you know, corporate tax, uh, VAT. Everything seems to be on the table with the new chancellor. Well, it could be. Uh, you know, I, I think that's that's one of the things that the, the chancellor will will try to, um, you know, um, sorry, replace the pre- previous policies uh, with ones that are a bit more um, popular. Let's say. Uh, and, uh, you know, people are really struggling across the country at the moment uh, with cost of living, uh, and, you know, if the Conservatives um, really wanted to, to change the, the whole mood, then, you know, the Chancellor would need to make some some fairly drastic changes in policy uh, that actually were seen to be supporting people. Uh, and, you know, certainly in Scotland we're hearing... You know, for example, um, we'd, we'd all love to move to electric cars and things like that. But if, for those of us who are still on petrol and diesel cars, you know, it's, it's costing an absolute fortune uh, to, uh, you know, keep your car on the road and get to work and um, support your family as best you can. Uh, and, you know, I think there's all those things that the, the Chancellor could look at in terms of VAT uh, and, and personal taxation that would would start to reverse that 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 trend but how, I, I how just do you... think there's, there's just a series of of really things that are happening to conservatives at the moment that is based on the personality of the prime minister uh, and his lack of trustworthiness that lies at the heart and then a, a new prime minister coming in might be able to take are on you... that mantle and, and make the policy changes that are a bit more popular are you concerned, though, that if there's a, a a sort of a budget that's going to end up costing the state an awful lot of money, that perhaps this could do long-term damage to the financial position of of the UK as well? Well, exactly, and that that that, that is the but that's the political choice that the government needs to make, and uh, you know it's it's never a, a, probably a, never an easy task. But um, in saying that, it, it's uh, you know if they want to stay in government. And you know that's that's the raison d'etre of, of the Conservative Party. They want to always to be in power. 
So if they want to be in that position, then obviously they've got to bring in policies that may cost the country dearly in the longer term, uh, but are short term on a short term basis would be expedient in, in keeping them in power and uh, and maintaining but- the a conservative government in the future. Okay, but it's not just expedient. It's also about the fact that voters have seen an enormous slide in their um, in their wealth, in their uh, incomes versus inflation. The the cost of living is rising so so rapidly uh, that that's you know that that would also be the key propeller for that. The question, though, can there be a new Conservative Prime Minister without there then being swiftly a general election afterwards, given the cost of living crisis? Well, I, I, I think that, that is the most likely scenario, to be honest, uh, that, um, you know, while we would all want that, that change of government in, in many respects or the ability to, to get rid of this current government uh, unless they're going to make some serious changes to, to, to economic policy. Um, you know, I think that's the, probably the most likely outcome. And, I mean, the Conservatives at the moment are sitting on a, roughly a, a, an 80-seat majority uh, and if there was a new prime minister coming in, mm. would he or she take that to the country and, and take the risk uh, of uh, going for a, an immediate general election? And in Scotland as well, you know that that could mean that not only would the Conservatives have the potential to lose uh, the government, but they'd also lo- possibly lose the union because we'd be fighting the next election on the basis that it's a a de facto referendum unless we have a, a referendum, proper referendum in place. And would, so, would the SNP... You know, there's, there's an awful lot of stake, an awful lot of stake uh, in calling a general election at this time. Well, what would the SNP be willing to do after a general election to get that referendum? Would you go into government with Labour? Well, the, the Labour have made it very clear that, that, that they do not want to do any deals either before or after the election. Uh, Keir Starmer said in the last 48 hours that uh, he doesn't even want to speak to the SNP. So, you know, I think... But that, maybe that you could reach out and hand a friendship? Uh, well, we would certainly try. And, uh, you know, I, I think that we need to come with a whole range of conditions, uh, you know, regarding that referendum that, that we are looking for. So there'll okay. be a political price for Starmer to pay uh, should he want that, that outcome to, you know, or should he want us to support him uh, across the, the his programme of government. Okay. Uh, so I think that's where we are with that Bloomberg Westminster listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London From Silicon Valley to Wall Street the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage but what will the next phase of AI adoption look like Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.